OT is not all rainbows and butterflies and unicorns and fairy dust. I wish, right? I mean, don't we all? The fact is that there are a lot of things we would love to see changed about our profession so that it can actually rise to the potential that we all know it has. As a student, a new graduate or soon to be new graduate, it can be extremely discouraging, overwhelming, and honestly downright scary to hear us, and when I say us, I mean practicing clinicians, sharing the realities of what it's like to be an OT. Because the truth is, nothing can really prepare you until you're actually in the field. Now, I think any OT having these conversations will tell you that it's never ever our intention to cause any fear, anxiety, or turn anyone away from this profession. I mean, OT is a beautiful career with endless potential, and there are certainly some drawbacks and things to be aware of so that you're not caught off guard as a new grad. So, speaking of new grads, in today's episode, you'll be hearing from a very special guest, Dominique Golson, who has truly become a dear friend to me. We connected initially, of course, on Instagram, (laughs) where I connect with mostly everyone, and then she became a student in my signature coaching program, The Miracle Money Blueprint. So I've really gotten the chance to support and cheer her on and really watch her evolution from student to new grad firsthand. And let me tell you, this girl is an absolute force of a human and is going to accomplish so many wonderful things in our profession. And Dominique is someone that I can always count on to keep it real. And in this episode, you'll get to hear her take on what it's been like navigating her new grad season. You'll hear us talk about the complexities and the challenges, but also the bright spots that she's experienced as a very fresh new grad OT. And when I say fresh, I mean fresh. At the time of this recording, she was actually entering her fourth month of practice. You know, it's really my firm belief that having candid conversations like this are so important because awareness of issues will help you learn early on how to make this career truly work for you and not make so many mistakes like many of us have. One of the most important things you can do to prepare yourself for practicing as an OT clinician is to actually be aware of some of the realities But that doesn't mean you have to dwell on the negative because there's so much positivity, inspiration, motivation, and hope out there. So my goal is to continue sharing stories of real OTs just like you listening who embody all of these things. So if you're a new grad or soon-to-be new grad who has been feeling discouraged or worry or nervous about entering the profession, I want you to really listen closely to this episode and remember to keep your head up, remember your why, and know that you can absolutely enjoy and love your career as an OT. All right, let's dive into this conversation. They say money makes the world go round, but when it comes to navigating the financial side of adulting, they kind of left us hanging. If you've ever caught yourself saying, why the heck didn't we learn any of this in school, then friend, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Miracle Money Podcast, a space dedicated to having the real, open, and honest conversations about money and finance that we never had in school, but we should have. I'm your host, Amira Kondali. I'm a pediatric occupational therapist turned personal finance enthusiast. And I'm here to help you manage your money with less stress, more joy, and a whole lot of confidence. Let's jump in. 
A few weeks ago, I recorded an episode all about navigating the new grad season. If you haven't already listened to that one, I'd encourage you to go back, check it out, because I talked basically all about the transition from student to practitioner and the identity shift that many of us feel and experience. I mentioned in that episode, too, that because I'm a few years into practice, I really wanted to bring on a special guest who is currently in the midst of that transition. So... I am really excited, over the moon excited, to have Dominique here today, who you'll be hearing from in just a second. So Dominique and I actually connected over social media a little over a year ago, and she is currently a student of my exclusive coaching program, The Miracle Money Blueprint. So I've really been able to witness her journey from student to practitioner firsthand. I am so proud of her and what she's done so far and really how she's rolled with the punches and kept the faith throughout so many obstacles and challenges that have been thrown her way, but I'm sure she'll tell you all about it. I can't wait for you to hear from her and hear really her fresh perspective and thoughts and ideas because let me tell you, she's got a ton of them and they're really, really good. So without further ado, let's start talking to Dominique. Dominique, how are you today? I'm good. How about you? You know, I'm doing well. I can't believe it's only Tuesday. I feel like this week is crawling by. <laughs> Happy August 1st. Today is the first, which means it's my birthday month. Let's get it going. I'm excited I for this one. I love it. I love it. Mine too. I forgot we have, we're, we're August. August. Yeah. forgot about that. <laughs> Yes. All right. So I like to yes. start these episodes with an icebreaker question. So your question is, if you could describe your new grad journey in only three words, what would they be? Mm, three words. That's kind of hard. No. <laughs> um, I would say determination, strength, and success. I love those. Yeah. <laughs> I love those. Those are good. I think especially strength. I feel like when you're in this new grad season, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more throughout this episode, but really identifying like your strengths because like you know your strengths when you are a student and like you're going through grad school or you're studying for boards or whatever. But then when you start to practice, I feel like you kind of unlock this new strength about yourself because you know you're doing all of these different things and you're you know, having this, I guess, hands-on application and practice versus just studying about it mm -hmm. or like learning about it. So you really do like pull out that inner OT strength when you are a new grad and you're actually practicing. So good words. I that it. inner drive is something good. It is. All right. So I know you because we chat very frequently, <laughs> but to the listeners who are not <laughs> familiar with you and your story, let's talk a little bit about your background. Let's start with maybe where are you from and what made you decide to pursue OT? Okay. Well, I'm from Richmond, Virginia. I still live here, hopefully to move, but I also am okay with staying in Richmond if I stay here. Um, end goal is to be in North Carolina, but I didn't say that. <laughs> and um, you said how I got into OT. Um, it really kind of found me. I did undergrad at Shenandoah University, which is in Winchester, Virginia, um, that was a shock for me. Never imagined going to school in the mountains, but I did undergrad psychology. I started off as an exercise science major and my professor, he had an OT, a PT, an athletic trainer. 
like students in grad school and then a professional come in and they just talked about what they do on a daily basis and kind of gave us a glimpse of what the school side of things looks like. And he just knew that I was such a creative person, which is a trait that I knew I had when I was a younger kid. Like I used to do crafts and I'm the one who flips my room around like every six months. So just <laughs> like that creative light bulb just keeps going. And so he was like, I think you should look into OT. And I was like, what is that? Like I had no idea what it even was. Started doing my research freshman year. Second semester, I switched to psychology. He was like, this is the route you can learn more about people and just like all the things that makes us human, which I think in the OT world, we can call like our holistic view. And I feel like psychology gave me that. And then I minored in biology. And from there, I went into OT school, which I did at Shenandoah as well. I love that. The creativity is so true. I think it's going to sound so silly, and I think I've said this before in an episode, but I never considered myself a creative person, but that was only <laughs> because I didn't have any artistic skills. Like, I, I cannot draw to save my life, but I have realized Me either. That- <laughs> Right. But I realized that like I am still a creative and I think so many of us as OTs are drawn to this profession because of that. So I love that. And where I don't know if you've already said this, but where are you practicing now? What setting are you in? So currently I'm in outpatient pediatrics. Um, I have always worked with kids from just, you know, ins and odd jobs in my younger years. And I was like, you know, I really just thrive with the pediatric population. However, I did do some experience in adults, but I just love working with kids so much. So when I went into OT school, like I knew I want to work with pediatrics and they tell you, which I still say, keep an open mind. You might change your preference of setting when you get into OT school, but mine stayed the same. I do have interest though in other areas that are not only pediatrics, but yeah, I'm in outpatient pediatrics. And it is a perfect fit for you. Like knowing who you are and your personality, you working with those kids, <laughs> absolutely perfect. Like <laughs> couldn't have said you would belong in the setting I even more. It. All right. So you mentioned earlier that kind of how you decided on OT is because you kind of heard firsthand from people who were already in the field and they were, you know, talking to you about OT. I'm curious because, you know, on this podcast, we are very open and very transparent and which I love about you. And I know that that is exactly how you are. So (laughs) tell me this prior to OT school or even like when you were applying when you first started, did you have any idea about either the debt or the income you could expect when you decided to pursue this career path? Give it to me real. (laughs) Absolutely not. I did not know. I honestly didn't even, it wasn't even a thought. I knew in general, like grad school was going to mean I needed more loans because I just went through four years of undergrad. Well, I did, thank God, I was able to graduate early. I did three and a half years in undergrad, but that took a lot of work. Um, Determination, go back to the three words to describe new grad journey. I took summer classes every year to get out of school. When I started undergrad, I was like, I'm getting out of here in three years. That's it. And so I ran with it. But I, yeah, I had no idea that I would be in this much debt. (laughs) We sound like we are in the same boat. And I know that we are. (laughs) So let's go ahead and put some numbers on the table. And really quick, I'll pause here and say again. Get into it. Whatever you're comfortable sharing, let's share. Okay. (laughs) Let's. 
talk about it. All right. So tell me, how much debt did you go into to become an OT? What's your total number? From undergrad to grad, I've been blessed, but I have $115,000 of student loan debt. Okay. And how much have you paid off to date if you've started paying? Because I know you're you're a new grad, just started working. None. Nada. None. I have not paid any. However, I am starting to plan for okay. what I need to do. Okay. All right. And then I know you went on a few job um a few job interviews when you graduated. Do you remember what were some of those job offers? Like what did it look like salary wise? Um for new grad in this area, like right at seventy thousand. Okay. So that's roughly the national average. And honestly, that's what I tell new graduates okay. to expect somewhere between like 60 and 70K. Of course, as you know, like income depends so much on where you are, what setting, what state, city, everything. So it's a huge range. But a lot of people, I think, go into it thinking the 80,000 because like when you Google it, you know, the 80,000 is kind of what, what comes up typically. And so I think even myself as a new grad, I thought the 80,000 was the standard. And now being able to talk to other new grads and experience it myself, I definitely know that that 60 to 70K range is a lot more realistic. Would you agree? 100%. I was the new grad saying, okay, I'm not trying to go below 80,000. Like that is where I want to start. But reality set in <laughs> that that's not realistic. And so 70s is the range. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And back to your debt, you said you're at undergrad and grad school, 115000 right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Did you think that you would be in that much debt? Like when you decided, okay, yes, I want to become an OT. Did you have any idea that you could possibly graduate with over $100,000 in debt? So honestly, I thought I was going to have more debt. Oh, um, I okay. think what saved me was COVID. Mm -hmm. Due to us not having interest. Mm -hmm. I was in that COVID class. I did one year like in-person, normal, typical grad school. And then the next year, that spring semester, the world shut down. And so then they stopped the student loans and that stopped the interest. That is what saved me. Now, what's going to happen in a couple of weeks? I don't know. But <laughs> um, I actually thought I was going to be in more student loan debt. Granted, in undergrad, my parents, bless my parents, they did help me. I still took out a lot of loans out, but they kind of helped me balance to not be in like $400,000 worth of student loan debt. Yeah. And that, that you bring up a good point because just as there's a range with the income, there's a huge range with the debt too. So people will say, well, how much debt can I expect to go into? And it's like, I can't even give you a concrete number because the range is so massive. I mean, I've worked with people who had $0 in student loan debt, bless them, <laughs> love that for them. Uh -huh. And then I've worked with people who are in <laughs> $300,000 or over $300,000 in student loan debt just from being just from becoming an OT just from undergrad and grad school so the range is so so wide and so you're falling honestly about where I would expect a new grad in 2023 to be graduating with this much debt because unfortunately 
this is another episode for another day, but the cost of uh, <laughs> our educational programs are also starting to increase. And so we're seeing tuition rises. However, we still have pay mm-hmm. stagnation. So tuition, education is going up yep. and our pay is not. So, <sighs> okay. So you said that you are coming up with your plan. So tell me a little bit about how you are planning to navigate paying off those student loans. Um, I was the student that was very nervous in knowing what to do because we're talking a lot of money, money that I have not even seen, money that I've not even made, and how I'm going to pay it, but also be able to live a decent life. And so that's how I got into the Blueprint program. I sat in on one of your, was it a podcast or was it a webinar? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? This is my sign. Here it is. Pulled my credit card out, swiped it. And I kind of ran with that. In general, I logged in. I've been conscious the whole time I've been in school of what my total price in student loan debt was. But like thinking about how to pay it, that's where it was like question mark, question mark. I don't know. And so that's when I had to lean on you with the program to kind of help me map out what to do. I love that. But I do like that you took the initiative to stay on top of it. Like I never had to say, Dominique, what's going on? Like you are on top of your loans. And I think too, <laughs> one of our first conversations we had, you were like, I got to get these things paid off. And so even just like approaching it and having that initiative to being like, I know I have this debt, but I know I'm also going to figure out a way to get out of it is so important. So with okay. your loans, I think a lot of people are nervous about the impact that their loans are going to have on their just day-to-day like lifestyles. So have you found the loans? And I know, again, you're not paying them yet, but in unfortunately, a few months, it is going to be time to start paying them. <laughs> are you worried that they're going to be burdensome in any way? Or how is it just impacting like the choices that you're making in your life right now? Um, It definitely heavily impacts because the cost of living has now increased. Everybody knows that. Um, I guess I should say this. I do live at home. I moved back home in COVID. And so my me selecting my first job, it was not as hard for me because I didn't really have to shoot for like the skyrocketed ceiling amount of salary to maintain living. But I now have been, you know, exploring jobs, seeing what's out there because in this new grad season, I'm trying to be a sponge and just soak it all up. And so I have had to turn down positions because of the salary that they're offering. And it's not enough for me. It's enough for me to be able to pay for cost of living, but the things that we do to take care of ourselves, like getting my nails done, getting my eyebrows done, hanging out with my friends, buying. I love shoes. So I buy a lot of shoes. <laughs> All of those things. I work out at a, a theory, at Orange Theory. So like those things would have to go out and be not something that I can do because all of my money is going to bills. And so we now have this factor of student loans, that payments, you know, you have to start paying them. Well, you don't have to, but trying to be smart and proactive. I'm trying to pay my loans. Also, just like with buying things, that debt to income ratio, buying a car, buying a house or renting a house, if that's what you want to do. All of those things are factoring. And like I said in the beginning, it's my birthday month. 
So that means that this month I have to start doing healthcare benefits. Not something I've had to do all this time. So now it's like, okay, that's something else being pulled out of my paycheck. So it definitely weighs a lot, but I'm also like, it's in God's hands. He's going to help me out. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and I think you're exactly right. Like, having a plan is just so important versus just ignoring them. Like, like you said, you don't, when, when you yeah. say like, you don't have to pay them as in like, you don't have to pay them. Like nobody's coming after you necessarily. I mean, well, they will start garnishing your wages, but there's another conversation um, for another day. They will. <laughs> Like, right, like what your plan is and what your approach to your student yeah. loans, it's really on you and it's how you want to get out of that debt, right? And I always say like, whether it takes you five years or 20 years, I really don't care. Now, is one route going to cost you more over the life of that, you know, loan with interest? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So is it better to get rid of it sooner than later? Yes. But again, you can decide what path you want to take. I'm just a firm believer that you have to have a path and you have to like stick to it as much as you can, right? But I think, I think your approach is just so mm-hmm. real and that's why I I wanted to have you on because like you're saying you want to still live and enjoy your life right you went to school you're making money you want to do the things that you love and you want to have a plan in order to pay them off so hats off to you girl you're doing a good job I just want you to know that you're doing a good job <laughs> I appreciate it I'm trying out here <laughs> No, you're doing good. Okay, so switching gears a little bit because I really am excited to get into talking about your new grad season. Like you just mentioned, you said <laughs> I'm a sponge right now and I'm just soaking everything up. And I think you're in such a fun and like fresh, you know, season in your life as now practicing in this career that you've spent so long, you know, pursuing and you've went into so much debt to pursue. And so now you're finally here. So tell me a little bit about how has that transition been from student to new graduate? How has it been for you? I know that's a loaded question. (laughs) It's so loaded. Let's see. If I could put it into one word, I would say transformative because it's a lot of highs, a lot of lows. More lows for me, in my opinion, than highs because you are trying to learn so much. You are trying to do the absolute best that you can because you care so much, which leads to compassion fatigue. However, honestly, I'm okay with, I have become okay with that weight because it's the Virgo in me being, trying to be a perfectionist because I just care so much about what I attach my name to. But also now I've been in this for couple months and just seeing the growth and getting back to like the success that I've had with some of these families has made it so worth it. But yes, it's very transformative. (laughs) I hear that. Okay. Let me dig into that a little bit more because I'm very curious what you feel like. Let's start. Okay. Let's, because I want to end it on a positive note. So let's start with those challenges. (laughs) Tell me about what some of those really challenging moments have looked like, especially, you know, those first few weeks of adjusting to a new job, a new culture, a new environment, new people. What do you think was some of the challenging points of that season? And number one, being the only minority. That I would go back a little bit. In school, I was the only Black girl in my class. So I 
kind of had a like toe into what it feels like. But now when you are in this, I don't want to say status, but like on this level, you are the one making decisions for other people. You feel the weight of families not as acceptive of you and you giving care to their child as if they were giving care to their child. And so that was just like a battle I was fighting with myself on how can I make this family love me like I love their child? Mm -hmm. And how can I, you know, give them the best care? It's so hard. And I'm still trying to figure that out. We have had some successes with families, but also like there's still some roadblocks and that's just a societal thing that we have to do better as. Um, Another challenge is, of course, like learning how to work on a day-to-day basis. You go from school to now you are an adult, you are an employee, and some people working 40, 40 hours a week or more or less. I personally work 35 hours, and if your job offers it, I highly recommend it going through this new grad season. Um Because you are, yes, you're working very hard, but you're overwhelmed by all of the things that you're trying to learn. Um, And I think just learning the system, like right now, I'm still learning what the insurances like and don't like, um, company expectations, what's typical, what's not typical um, when it comes to like productivity or, you know, things that you as a therapist should be advocating for because there is no, this is the book. Here you go. That's not a thing. It's kind of like parenting. There's no book to tell you how to parent. So it's all like trial and error. (laughs) It's trial and error and trying to, you know, be ethical in every situation. But we learn about ethics in school, but when it's attached to application, it's, it's hard. (laughs) It's hard. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going through the challenges and digging through. I feel like, you know, when you play, what's the game called? I Spy and you're like looking for that one thing. I feel like that's how I've been navigating this new grad season. And it's hard because a lot of the things that you mentioned, you know, being the only minority at your workplace, and I'm sure a lot of listeners can identify, I can identify, you know, to that. It's things like that school doesn't prepare you for. And so you get out and you're working and you already have those pressures of navigating everything else related to now being a practicing OT. And then you add a layer on top of it where there's cultural differences and there's different perspectives and there's how parents may be treating you and, you know, internalizing all of that. Mm -hmm. And like you said, this is just something that we as minorities to just face in society. So not only are you facing that in society, but now you're facing it in the workplace. And I think that, again, Mm -hmm. I I know I say this every single episode, but another topic for another day, but the lack of diversity and representation in our field is huge. And I'm so glad that we now have organizations like COTAD and like uh, the Black Mm -hmm. OTs and, you know, the rehab um, retreats that they're now doing and things like that. And, and going out and finding these spaces where we can just be supported and encouraged and uplifted because it's hard. It's really hard. And like I said, what preparation are we getting in school to maybe, you know, be in these situations where 
we're looked at, you know, a certain kind of way and and that's going to maybe shake mm-hmm. your confidence. And, and, you know, the rapport building is so important too, especially as a new graduate. And so you already kind of have something that you're trying to fight against and then also build rapport with these families. So I think that you have navigated so well. And I know we've talked a lot about this off, you know, off the microphone, but what do you think has been the biggest things that have helped you navigate some of these challenges that school didn't necessarily prepare you for? But lots of prayer. <laughs> Let's start there. I hear that. <laughs> I oh, I have this this room that I'm sitting in currently. But we just talked about this before we got on camera. Was the room that I grew up in, and the my bed was sitting in this exact place. And the quote says, "Pray about everything, worry about nothing." And it just like it's one of those things that just fills your soul when you are at your breaking point. That is what gets me over the hump. But also in the new grad season, you have to be willing to seek yourself because nobody's going to do it for you. They're not going to hand it to you. And I mean, being the minority, and I guess I should say I'm the only Black therapist and my company in the whole region. So the weight that that holds is heavy because we see a lot of minority kids and they want to see you. And it's not for, I don't know, it's not like they have to see you, but it's one of those things where it's a comfort thing. When we talk about things like ADLs or cultural differences or norms, there are just some topics that they need to see somebody that looks like you. And so my, I take on as many as I can. That's just a battle that I fight with myself because you can't do it all. You can't help everybody. However, when I come home, I write it out, journal it out, let it go. Um, we have a book. You know our book. I read that. That keeps me whole. Um, and then on the weekends, I spend a lot of time with my family, y'all. I go do stuff with my family, do stuff with my friends, whether that's four-wheeling, whether that's cooking. I love to cook which that has kind of like cut back because I'm still in like very much work mode. But cooking to me is like a love language. Like that is my stress relief. That is my therapy place, growing vegetables in the garden. Like those are the things that I like to do to check my mind out. So that's how I've been dealing with it. Is it the best way? I don't know, but (laughs) that's what I'm doing. And if it's working for you, then it is the best way. Let's just clarify that because I think there's this misconception, right, of like self-care and like what self-care has to look like. But the self-care for you and the self-care for me could look so different. So I think you're doing what works for you. And if it works for you, then it's working and it's the best thing. So I think you're doing doing good. And what I'm hearing (laughs) too is this like – idea of work-life balance. And so I'm kind of curious here. It sounds like you're getting there, but how do you feel like your (laughs) work-life balance is, (laughs) you know, only having been practicing for a few months? So I started practicing in April, the beginning of April. So that's what, four months? Um, It's one of those things that you have to prioritize. The job is going to be there. And also put in your mind, and this is probably not the best thing to say, but a job is a job and your life is your life. And I work the job to pay for the life that I want, Mm -hmm. not the other way around. So (laughs) my work-life balance 
has gotten better. I will say the first two months, you will probably feel like, oh my goodness, like I'm never going to catch on to this thing. But once you get your own groove, and sometimes you have to just block out what everybody else is saying because you're either the new person at the job or, you know, you are the one that everybody's going to or that everybody wants to give their opinion. Sometimes you have to take it with respect, but also respectfully like dismiss it because that is going to be, for me, it was more overwhelming than me just learning as I go and when need when help is needed, seeking it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think it's one of those things, even clinicians who have been practicing for, you know, twice, three times as long as you have, work-life balance always comes up because it is hard. It's really hard because there's so much, not only, I feel like work-life balance is kind of misleading because it's like two different things. Like, oh, you're just balancing life and just balancing work. But within life, there is a lot to juggle, right? Like if you are a parent, Mm -hmm. if you're a spouse, if you're just a family member, a friend, like all of these different roles that we have within our lives. So being able to balance all Mm -hmm. of that and also balance our jobs is tricky. So I think that that just brings up a good point of giving yourself like grace along the way and knowing that, like you said, it might take you a few months to kind of find your rhythm and your routine, but you will get there. Yes. Give yourself, if you do nothing else in your new grass season, give yourself grace. It is going to happen when it's supposed to happen. And you're going to be like, oh, snap, like I did that. Like It just gives you a whole different level of confidence. Right? Yes. And I think too, so many new graduates, myself included, when I graduated, I was worried about burnout because you hear that coming up so often and people are burning out now so much earlier into their careers than it used to be. It used to be, you know, you got a few years under your belt before you start to feel that like just worn down Mm -hmm. fatigue. So do are you afraid or I guess not afraid, but like, are you worried about burnout? occurring? Like, is that something that's kind of on your mind? Yeah. Yep. 100%. I've already felt it four months in because of uh, healthcare expectations Mm -hmm. versus reality. Because of the fact that are there people leaving healthcare for a break? Yes. Because of what happened, the pandemic. And also just, I think people are learning to like explore all of their talents. Like I'm not just an OT. I do so many other things. So they're exploring them. And I guess that kind of gets into like, you know, back to work-life balance. You know, you can work in many different things and balance your life in the same life. I don't even know how to explain (laughs) it, but I do worry about burnout. I have felt it in these four months just from trying to meet all of their expectations, but like, am I meeting them? Yes, because that's just who I am. However, the reality is I'm not doing my hair as often as I normally do. And if you a black girl, you know, you're trying to take care of that. (laughs) So true. (laughs) And I mean, that's just what it is. But also just like, you know, coming home, cooking dinner, hanging out, or just coming home and drinking a glass of wine and sitting on my porch. We country folks, so we sit on the porch and just <laughs> relax. But that doesn't always happen because I'm like, okay, I got to try to work out. I got to come home, try to type all my notes that I didn't get done. 
think about what I have going on tomorrow for the amount of kids that I'm going to be seeing, if I have new kids, all the things. So it kind of just, it's like the days are starting, they start to tumble over each other and you have to be very firm about like today I'm not doing it and that's okay. I think there's a lot of pressures that you're facing and that other new graduates are facing in so many different areas. And then we have to add that layer of the financial pressure. And like you said, you are about to have a birthday. You're about to have to figure out health insurance. Student loans are coming due. And so all of these different things, I think, also contribute to burnout. I don't think it's like just one thing. I don't think it's just productivity or just your caseload or just the amount of hours you work. It's all of those things all wrapped up into one. And so new graduates, especially today, have, I think, a lot of, I don't know necessarily, if it's more pressure than it used to be, but I kind of feel like it is just even with the financial part mm-hmm. that more and more new graduates are coming out of school with pretty heavy, pretty heavy debt. And, you know, the incomes again are, are where they were decades ago. Like we're not seeing a lot of growth yep. in that area. And I think that's why a lot of new graduates and yourself included, because you just mentioned this, are considering other options. So thinking about entrepreneurship, thinking about, you know, pursuing yep. non-traditional paths and kind of paving your own way, which is just one of the beautiful parts of OT is like, even if, for example, you're not necessarily satisfied with your income or you just want to like do something else, you don't want to practice in a clinical role anymore. There are so many options. So I'm curious, Dominique, how are you feeling about, I know you're only again four months in, but I'm very curious to hear, do you have entrepreneurship on the radar? (laughs) Are you interested in like a non-traditional path one day? What are your thoughts about that? Um, yes, I have learned, but I also kind of knew just because of how I move as an individual that I'm not a traditional therapist. I love what I do, but I also love to get back to that creative side. And I'm very much, I love to be involved with the community. So the non-traditional approach, those ideas are like, ping pongs in my head like it's just going I'm thinking about it for sure entrepreneurship I wouldn't mind doing it at all the problem is I have so many thoughts it's trying to compile them to being a few things and not just one thing but I also don't want what I do to label me like I I don't know it's almost one of those things where it's like these are all of the things that I do rather than me just focusing on this one thing. So entrepreneurship and non-traditional approach, is that me? For sure. Um, but also then you question, like, I've already, it's funny we're talking about this because I've had this conversation very recently. Like, <laughs> when do you start exploring that? When do you mm-hmm. start doing that? When, Like travel therapy, we've talked about this. This is something, that's something I'm very much interested in, but it's like, okay, when do you have enough skills that you're able to go out and do those things? When do you have enough skills to do entrepreneurship? Is there a time? You, there's no timeline, but like, when's the like, okay, it's time. And that's when you get into stepping out on faith. So whenever it's in the plans for me to explore, I'm definitely going to. I just don't know when. That's a faith walk right there. 
I hear you. And it depends, right? I mean, that's like the saying that we hear so much in OT. It depends. It depends on like you as a person. It depends on like your passions and your interests because I can tell you, I know new graduates in your shoes who have decided I'm going to jump into travel therapy right now or some who have decided to. <laughs> yes. So I really think it totally depends on just you as a person. But and that's nice. It's no there's no like black and white with with what you do in your new grad season. It's very gray and that gray. There's shades of gray, right? Like <laughs> there's all kinds of different areas. Mm-hmm. That you can yes. Fall. 50 shades of gray. Right. So I think I think that's totally okay to have that seed. And I think that seed for you has been planted and you are just building up your skills and building up your confidence and your faith and your strength and your determination and all of those all of those different things. You're building that up now and setting yourself up for the future. Do you feel like the mm-hmm. is there is there any part of like what you're dealing with financially that is gonna push you to doing it sooner rather than later? And what I mean by that is like I guess, okay, let me back up. Do you feel like the income that you make right now will allow you to pay your student loans off in a reasonable amount of time? Or do you feel like pursuing entrepreneurship or paving your own way is something that you're going to have to do to be able to pay off your loans eventually? My current salary will not. Not with me trying to have my own place and pay loans and all the bills that come within that. No. Um, entrepreneurship for the money's sake, not really. Like it's more of an interest thing for me. Um, so it's almost like, when am I ready to, I don't know, go into that realm of exploring my interests versus the money. The money will come. I've learned that the money will come when it's time, whether that be your first job, your second job, your third job, the money's going to come. And also, I guess I guess you need to get out of this mindset too, because obviously you're thinking about it because you're in so much debt, but also like what is filling your cup? If that job is filling your cup or is it the money that's filling that cup? Like there are so many things that, that could be doing that, but also go with what's filling your cup. Once my cup is full, I'm moving on to the next thing. My cup currently where I work is not full yet. It is it's just <laughs> brewing. It's like a cup of coffee. It's just brewing. I, I'm i okay with it. However, once that cup is full, I'm always seeking for the next thing. And I think that's just a part of like my determination and success because when I was in school, in OT school, the opportunity came of early intervention. And I was like, there's no way I can do a, a grad program, run a COTAD chapter, which I started from scratch. And try to do an early intervention certification. I did that at Georgetown. Like, just not. Didn't think that was in the cards for me. However, you know, back to my journal, said a little prayer. God showed me the way. And that's what happened. I I did that. So it's kind of the same thing. I was interested in early intervention. It's something I wanted to explore. And I went with it. Same thing with in this phase of life. I am getting my cup full. And once that cup is like, okay, it's getting a little too full for me. What's next? I'm going for it. Yeah, that's good. Because I think a lot of graduates feel like you have to stay in that first job no matter what. And I will never preach Mm -hmm. that message because like you said, your mental health, your peace, all of that is so much more important than even if you're making like a lot of money at that job. But if that job is, you know, a Mm -hmm. toxic workplace or just not where you are going to be able to grow and feel supported 
personally and professionally, then that might not be the job for you. So I just want to make sure that any new graduates listening knows that it's okay if that first job is not your forever job. And typically it's not going to be. And like, it's okay, right? Like you're going to grow throughout your career and you're going to fill or you're going to run after those opportunities, like you said, that fill your cup. So I'm excited to see, you know, just exactly what you do. So we talked a little bit earlier about the challenges and like the obstacles that you're facing on this transition and some of the solutions and things and how you are pursuing a better work-life balance. So I want to ask you, I want to ask you because I know that you're also really excited. Like even though this time can be overwhelming and really hard, (laughs) there's also a lot of really fun, amazing moments where you're like, oh my gosh, I finally am practicing. I'm where I want to be. So tell me, what is your favorite OT memory so far since working oh that's tough I think getting back to my creative side when the holidays come when it's like a theme week or I just have a little extra time your girl is treatment planning I'm thinking about all the things um let's see I mean when I started working it was like school's getting ready to end so I was doing like welcome summer activities and just pulling all the pieces that I can. Um, After that was Mother's Day. Um, My thought behind that was there are a lot of kids who are not in school. I'm seeing a very wide range of kids. So sometimes, you know, we get so wrapped up in so many things that we forget to think like, who got us here? Moms. So I did Mother's Day activities. Father's Day activities. And that kind of just gives, you know, when you see your baby smile, like that just gives you a little like, oh, pick me up because you could be thinking that you're not doing the best, especially when you have families who are dealing with kids who have disabilities. So just that little pick me up. I don't know. I'm just very intentional about interventions. Juneteenth came. Oh, we went Juneteenth crazy. Okay. We did all the things. <laughs> Follow me on social media to keep up. But like, That is what is my favorite thing right now. Just them doing, giving them interests that I had when I was a kid, but also like learning what their interests are because kids are different now. They have interest in so many things. And so seeing my brain like turn like a Rubik's cube of pulling their interest into like a skill that we're trying to target, how that works. I didn't even know my brain was possible of doing that. But yeah, that's probably my favorite memory right now. And I'm like on cloud nine still with it because I'm like, man, that really worked. Or like, I didn't even think of that and it worked. Something that was not planned. The ones that are not planned are the ones that work. I am so glad you said that because that's so true. I was in early intervention. And so I can say a thousand percent, my best sessions have been my completely unplanned sessions. And I'm right there with you. Like the best thing ever is when you do something and it can honestly be something super simple that the parent just, they're not trained to think about it in that certain way. So you do something simple, you implement something and it's like it clicks and it's like that light bulb moment. I agree. That's like one of my favorite parts of the being a pediatric OT <laughs> and then getting to tell the parent like, oh my gosh, this actually worked and this is something you can implement. So I love it. I love too that mm-hmm. just despite, again, like I said, all of those, the cha- the many, many challenges that you faced and despite even you know being in heavy student loan debt and having to navigate it, 
I think going back to your why, why did I pursue OT? And for you, it was that creativity and you're being able to really tap into that in this first role out of school. So I love that for you. And I love to earlier, you know, you said strength. And so finding out these different strengths that you have about yourself and how you can use your Mm -hmm. strength to then strengthen, you know, your patients and your clients and your kids that you see. So I love it. Yeah. There's nothing more exciting when a parent comes back and tells you like the next week or the next time you see them, like it worked or, oh my goodness, they did it. Like that feeling is just like, as a new grad, you're like, oh my gosh, I did something right. Because the whole time, let me tell y'all, imposter syndrome sinks so bad. And it's one of those things that I'm really truly working on of getting rid of because it's not going to stop me from what I'm doing. But when a parent comes and tells you that, or like a kid, especially when a minority kid comes up to you and they just, it's just a feeling that we get. They feel that rapport and they, they just trust you so much. That feeling is one that you just can't explain. And anybody who experiences it is just like, and this was so worth it because you just feel that connection. It's, It's something you can't see. And it's something you can't quite explain either because I've been there too. And Mm -mm. as, you know, as a black therapist working with like black families, you feel it. But then there's also like, even if, you know, you're not, even if there's something Even if they're not. Yeah. Even if there's something else that you connect with that family, it's just that instant click that you feel when you're working Mm -hmm. with someone. And it is, it's an amazing thing. And I think that's, you know, one of the cool things about being OTs is that we are typically with our patients and clients for a pretty extended amount of time. And so, Mm -hmm. unless you're in like a acute care. But in a lot of settings, you're able to build out those relationships. And so to have something where you guys click, you know, that first meeting, and then you're like, ah, I can't wait to work with you. Like, it's going to be such a fun time. I know. I know. That's even happened just over like, talking with a family about games that we played as kids. And when I say that, it's like, oh, man, like, I'm saying it like I'm old. But some of these games I like I've played, these parents have played. And it's like, wait a minute, we could be friends. (laughs) But now you're trying to like share that with the kids. And some of them are like, oh, yes, let's do it. And then some of them are like, oh, no, ma'am, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Right. Yes. (laughs) So the connections can come from connections can happen from anything, music, games, interest. That's what makes this OT life great. It is. And speaking of connections, I think that there are a lot of listeners who will be able to connect to you and your story again, because you are also in this six-figure student loan debt club. So I'm going to ask you, what is your advice for new graduates who (laughs) maybe are feeling completely overwhelmed? They've logged in, they see that balance and they're like, oh my gosh, what do I even do? What would be your advice? Um, manifest what, what's going to happen that you're going to pay it off when it's supposed to be paid off and just do what you can. All, that's all you can do with anything, whether being a therapist, but also taking care of your finances. All you can do is all you can do. And if that's putting the minimum on it, kudos to yourself for being able to do that because there are people who have jobs or are in a career where they're not even able to do that. Or who have never even been to school and or didn't finish school and not are they are not able to put towards their loans. So honestly, just soak it in like, okay, this is my number. 
Now I need to find the resources to help me figure it out. It's very much a figure it out. My resource was the blueprint. <laughs> and that that's just how I started accepting like this is the number that I have to take care of. And like you said, I don't care if it's five years, 20 years, it's going to happen. You just got to be very patient. If I've learned nothing else between 2019 and 2023, it is patience. And that's a whole nother episode. But if I've learned nothing in between those years, it is patience. Yeah. And giving yourself grace. And you said that earlier too. Patience mm-hmm. and grace are, I think, mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. huge factors, especially, like I said, when you're facing six-figure debt in particular, knowing the incomes that, you know, you're going to make as a new graduate, it is going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge. But mm-hmm. as you heard from Dominique, like, give yourself grace and say to yourself, I'm going to get it paid off. I just have to find the tools and the resources. And there's a lot. There's a lot out there. So there are. <laughs> Thank God that they're out there because, I mean, they they normally are not out there and people are talking about it because I feel like even with, you know, getting to the job, that conversation is like, oh, don't talk about money. Don't talk about their salary, this, that, and the third. And it's like, we need to have these conversations. (laughs) So yeah, it's going to come. It is. And speaking of jobs too, okay, second question for you. (laughs) Because I like to hear again your advice because you're like in the thick of it right now. So what advice do you have for new graduates who are maybe nervous or anxious about starting their first job? Um, I'm a pen and paper person. So, you know, write out what you want in a job. Write out what you don't want in a job. Um, Think about, you know, those big life moves. Are you in school? You just graduated from school. Are you going to stay in your school town? Are you moving back home? What do those finances look like? Um, If you're in my position, because there are a lot of, there is no age of when to go to OT school. If you're in the position of you need healthcare benefits, do you have a family? Like consider all of those things when you are thinking about the job because of the financial part. For the sake of therapist life, Think about, you know, the hours you're trying to work, the caseload, how many people are working there. That is something that I did not think about how big the team is, because sometimes you can be overwhelmed by a very large team. And so if you are like me, I went to a smaller program. I was looking for a smaller team that didn't really happen, which is okay. I've kind of been very flexible and kind of learned how to navigate in a place that has more people on the team. But those are things to think about when you you are looking shadow, ask them, you know, if they offer you for an interview, you go for the interview and then they call you back and say, Hey, we're ready to offer you. Go shadow them. See what it's like. See, ask the therapist, what is your day to day look like? Um, what are your pros and your cons? And it's, some some therapists are very open to answering those questions because every place has their pros, every place has their cons. So if you can tolerate these cons, that might be a job that's fit for you. Um, yeah. That was good. I think the the big point too that I'm hearing from you is like, Basically, you have to take an active role in shaping your new grad season in the way that you want it to be. So you can't just be a passive participant in this. Like you have got to like have Mm -hmm. the initiative and seek out those resources, ask the right questions, 
you know, that, that I think that's just such a huge part of being able to have a successful and a healthy transition from student to practitioner. So I think you highlighted some really, really good points there. And if you don't know what questions to ask, reach out on social media because there are so many like pages and people talking about these things now. When I first started OT school, I did not see this many OT pages. Thank you, COVID, because so many people have started to like create these platforms for us to explore. So if you don't know what questions to ask, ask on social media. Yeah. And the OT Instagram community is phenomenal. Everyone is so friendly and so amazing. forthcoming with information. So I love that. Mm -hmm. All right, Dominique, Mm -hmm. we are slowly wrapping up, but I want to do my three rapid fire questions before we wrap up the episode. Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 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 Rules are, you just got to say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. (laughs) Oh, here we go. First question. If you were given $1 million right now, what's the first three things you do? Pay my loans off, pay my parents' debt off, and buy a house with land. Oh, I love that. Especially with land. I love that. Good ones. Okay. Need the <laughs> land, like 20 plus acres. Ooh, I need it. Yes. Yes. Give him my 50 acres. <laughs> I love it. Okay. If you could move anywhere in the world and have rent covered, where would you live? Ooh. In the world? In the world anywhere Mm, maybe jamaica i love our culture i love that i love our culture so i would just love to be immersed in it i love culture in general which you can get that anywhere but to live in it or like the virgin islands or something yeah that's immersing yourself yeah i love that yeah all right last question if you were given ten thousand dollars for a shopping spree (laughs) what's one store you'd spend it on only one store. Oh, that is hard. <laughs> Where do you get those um, shoes from? <laughs> you said you love shoes. <laughs> this is this is good old sneakers. Sneakers app, you know. Okay. Sneakers, heels. Um, <laughs> I've never really had luxury like designers. So maybe Chanel. Um, uh, I like yeah. Chanel things. I just have not bought any of those things because I'm a little broke new grad but <laughs> that's okay <laughs> you can maybe get like one I'm gonna there. buy a Chanel bag yeah right I'm gonna buy a Chanel bag when I pay my loans off I'm gonna buy a Chanel bag that's gonna be my treat yes I and you know what that brings up a good point I think <laughs> everyone should have like a celebratory thing that they're gonna do when they pay their loans off I don't know what mine is yet because I got some ways to go so I, I got some time to think about it but <laughs> Hey, you know, we had a little celebratory not that long ago, paid my credit card off. And what did I do before I even paid it off? I said I wanted to buy a new Pandora bracelet and new charms. And that's exactly what I did over the weekend. So you should celebrate every little milestone in your life. That's just how I feel. (laughs) I love that. That's such an amazing (laughs) way to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much, Dominique, for being on and being my guest. It was so fun to talk to you. And let's just end with quickly, where can people get in touch with you? I know you're on social media. If they have any questions about your journey or anything, want to talk to you, pick your brain, where can people find you? I'm on Instagram at melanated underscore OT. I'm pretty good at responding, but if I don't, just Hit me again because I do get a lot of messages and some days it's just hard to keep up. So that's where I am. Um, 
yeah, I would love to talk to y'all, see ya, all the things and keep up with my OT life. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Bye. Thanks for having me. Hey, friend, before you go, there's a few things I want to remind you about. Make sure you're subscribed to the show so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you heard, please take a few moments to leave a review. They seriously make my heart happy. Lastly, don't forget to check the show notes for additional resources, links, and maybe even some freebies. All right, that's all I've got. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I'll catch you in the next one. And as always, don't forget to make it a marvelous day.